the B2B Podcast with Bobby Mullaney and Brian Mayroll. B2B Podcast, welcome back. Bob here with Brian. Today, we are here on a sunny Saturday. It's April 7th, 2018. Today, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We got a guy, his name is Garrett. Garrett, right now, was a professional poker player looking to change up his life a little bit. Been through a lot, and right now, actually, Brian ended up meeting him uh, through his uh, through whatever his work is. I don't really know what the fuck Brian does, but I ended up meeting him. Ended up connecting to him with him, and he drove down from L.A. to Newport, which was actually probably a bad decision. He just drove to my apartment. I live in Santa Monica. Well, yeah, I live in Santa Monica. That makes no sense. What we just did. Uh, regardless, we're really happy to have him on. Um, we're here with Garrett. Brian. You want to say anything else? Yeah, I'd like to say. Um, First of all, thank you for buying my software. <laughs> no, but um, you got me. You sold me. <laughs> no, um, for whatever reason, me and Garrett, when I when I first met him, um, I quickly realized how big of a heart he has, and then I kind of stalked him on uh, social media, and found out uh, a little bit more about his story, a little bit more about his background, and um, where he's going with his life, and like how big of a heart he has for like giving back and things like that. And I just like, I thought, damn, what a better person that we could have on the podcast. I mentioned the podcast to him and thankful that he just drove down. Very grateful that you're here. I just continue to make bad decisions. So I said, yeah. <laughs> um, Garrett. So first thing, why don't you go ahead and um, I think I kind of said you were, you're transitioning out of poker um, at least professionally kind of give a quick rundown of where you're at right now and kind of like a quick summary of what you're doing. All right. So I've been a professional poker player for like six years, but um, it's not as it's not satisfying in a in a variety of ways. So, looking to expand my self worth and my my feeling, like just my overall happiness and the the sort of sense of pride in what I do. I want to I wanted to figure something else out to do. And about a year ago, I became vegan. So. I decided to start something out of a little bit of frustration to going around, not being able to find a sort of like dirty vegan meal. <laughs> um, and, uh, always like having to go to like a kale and quinoa type place and, you know, paying an arm and a leg and waiting forever. It, it, so out of frustration, I was like, there needs to be more like fast food type vegan options. So I wanted to create a, a vegan fast food restaurant and, I did, or I'm starting to, and along that process, this is how I met Brian. He uh, is going to be supplying me with our point of sale software. Yes. Um, with Toast. <laughs> we are a big fan, me and my partner, Michelle. So, yeah, so what I'm trying to do is transition out of um, relying strictly on poker as a means of income. I, I have built myself to a, a certain position where I feel like I'm ready for another step as well. I want to, I want to, I like to mix up my life. I like to, um, you know, not get stale. I don't like to, you know, just float in the same thing and poker just wasn't doing it for me anymore. So, I mean, I will always play certain tournaments for like the rest of my life, like the main event and the five diamond Bellagio in December, those two tournaments I will play mm -hmm. probably till I die. But the activity of playing online every day and grinding and grinding. I mean, there was, there was years where I would play 16 hours a day for months straight. 
and literally not skipping a day. I've played in my life over 50,000 tournaments and you know, the guy's seen I, a lot of hands. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, a lot, a lot of hands, <laughs> millions I'd say. And I just, I don't want to do that anymore. I hear you. Um, so would you call it burnout or would you call it just like, it's not your passion? It's, it's no longer my passion. It's right. I'm not, I'm not burnt out at all. Actually, I could, I could do it. Like, I mean, also it's sort of uh, being fortunate enough to be in the situation that I'm in. I've, I've had such a good run in poker that I'm able to actually step away or able to expand my, my reach. I mean, if I was back where I was five, six years ago, I would, I would just suck it up. I'd swallow, swallow my pride, whatever, whatever I need to do. And I would just grind it out again. I mean, I'm, I'm not above, you know, anything. Like if I, I just, I'm just aware of where I'm at and what I need to do. And I don't need to do that anymore. Right. So. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so let's, uh, let's kind of start from the beginning here. Cause I, I think, uh, like I said, we like to like run down, like kind of how you got to where you're at. Like, obviously, um, I was kind of reading up on you. Um, it sounded like you, you kind of started poker in college, right? Is that kind of how you got into it at UCLA? Yeah, well, I, I started taking it somewhat seriously at UCLA. I mean, I, I grew up around a little bit of poker. My grandma and I used to play when I was like five years old. And yeah. she'd carry around a little like video poker machine. And she like, actually- my, my grandma did the same thing. My grandma's like, what? grandma, if you're listening. Oh, you know what? We used to have one of those like pulley things. Yeah, at like our a house. slot like, machine? Like, like a, a little fake slot machine. Dude, that like- something about, it's something about the, the older generation. They're all gambling addicts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's maybe yeah. just like when you get to like the retirement home, it's like you're just- that's all you got, you know. What else is left? Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe they're all like uh, you know they got that Wild West in them a little bit. Who knows? Yeah. Um, my but, grandma wears like she tells us every time she goes to the casino, like she tells us like I'm putting on my red panties, like for whatever reason, like those are her special underwear. Like her lucky ones. Yeah, those are her lucky underwear. I got weird press. That's kind of that's kind of uh, all right. Not, and we just lost all our followers. <laughs> um. But yeah, go ahead and go through like, like how, how did you get started at UCLA or how did you really get into it? Like starting at poker? Okay. So I, um, I have a friend that is, uh, was on a TV show and I went out and I stayed with them for a few months and they have these like weekly, um, home games. And I had known what poker was, but I just never took it seriously. So I went and I played this home game just for fun. I was in there. I was involved in a hand, and I beat this guy with, like, a hand that I wasn't supposed to beat him with, and he gave me a bunch of shit and uh, talked about how bad of a player I was, and he started talking about all this strategy-related stuff, and, and uh, you know, it, it just got me my wheels turning, and I was like, oh, so there is – like, I've, I'd always know what poker was, but I never, like, thought about it on that level. Mm-hmm. So when I got home – back over the side because I was out there for the summer and when I got back home for my second year of college uh UCLA I, d- I decided to you know do a little bit of research on my own I sort of scoured the, the web or the internet for uh just for some some tips and stuff and I I noticed that there was a lot of strategy involved so I studied for a couple of weeks and then I went to the casino I wasn't 21 yet so I went out to Morongo um <laughs> yeah and uh I'm, I'm actually from nearby there I'm from a, a city called Hemet. Um, that's, uh, that's where I grew up, which is literally like 30 minutes from Morongo. So I started going out to Morongo and I played some, some cash games there at the poker room. And, uh, yeah, I just, I won like right away. I just 
started winning and I went back again. I won again. I mean, I, I was winning like a hundred bucks a day and it was, this is in college. Yeah. Nice. I, 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 the very first time I went, I won like 120 bucks and I was like mind blown. I was like, hundred and twenty dollars yeah. are you yeah, kidding in college you're yeah stoked, i was like that's that's insane were you drinking at the time like were you partying now were you ever into that uh yeah i mean i would party and stuff but when i would play i didn't i got yeah you. yeah when i would go to the casino i wouldn't i wouldn't do that strictly business yeah i was there taking it seriously competitive when i'd come back home to ucla i would party a lot yeah i was i was 120 bucks goes a long way though, <laughs> as a college kid yeah 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 a lot of a lot of 40s um so, yeah. so that's when you kind of like got the itch or like you were like, wow, I'm actually, I, I can learn how to be good at this. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, and when I would play, I took it very seriously and, you know, I'd sit there and I'd stare everybody down. I, I was not, I was not a good person to be at the table with. I wasn't <laughs> fun, you know, but I would, yeah. I crushed it. I mean, I started making a lot of money there. I started going on like, I would leave college and I wouldn't even go to class for like a week. I would just come home to Hemet and I would go to Morongo every day for like five days straight. Sometimes I would pull like 40 hour sessions, 50 hour sessions, and I would just be in the poker room. I started making like a good amount of money actually. And I ended up being able to pay for my entire UCLA tuition with by poker. So, um, you know, it did me right during college. Right. I, uh, yeah. I started playing online as well. I started playing some tournaments online and that was probably more like uh, my junior and senior year of college. I started playing a bit online and I did pretty well in there as well. So yeah, it just, it, it was a very natural progression. I just kept getting better and better and better. Um, yeah. Dude, you gotta, te- you gotta teach me cause I'm, I mean, I'm not bad. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I've researched, I've read, I've read, I've read half a book. Um, that my dad gave me when I was younger. A half a book. But, yeah, I've read half a book, um, and I didn't finish it. But do you remember what book it was? No, I was I was so young. It was I was Phil Hellmuth's book. I, I think. Okay. Um, but I, I think I know which book you're talking about. Yeah, I forget the name of it, but he gave it to me, and I read half of it, and I never finished it. Um, to be but, honest, I, I haven't read that many books myself either. I I never. The only books I ever read, I also interpreted it in a way as. I knew they were popular books. I knew that anybody that I was going to end up playing against probably had read these books. Right. So I would use these things with that sort of knowledge, you know, like I wouldn't base my decisions just off what the book said. I would base my decisions off whether or not I thought somebody had read that book and they would be playing based on that kind of stuff. I was always aware at that level when I was first starting and not many people originally were back in those days the game was very simple this was like before it got really popular on espn and all that right yes this was like 2004 2005 Mm. this is when it was starting to get popular i mean chris moneymaker i just won and it was starting to get popular but it was like i mean it was getting really popular but the thing is nobody knew what they were doing yet right so and there was just this huge influx of all these people that wanted to be Chris Moneymaker who just won two and a half million dollars in the main event and and but they came in and they treated it like it was like a table game they thought it was like blackjack or something they'd sit there and they'd be like well how much is it I, how much do I have to put out to see the next card mm-hmm. and they wouldn't realize that they're actually playing against another player with a brain and they're making decisions you know like yeah. they just thought like oh I gotta put out two hundred dollars to try to make this flush so you know they're mm-hmm. looking at their cards they're looking at the board like it used to be a completely different game now it's highly competitive no yeah. matter where you play but 
I think that, yeah. And like you were, you probably were ahead cause you had access to the internet and you know how to use it. So you could just like, yeah. you're ahead of knowing how to get information faster. So you were like light years ahead of people that were just sitting at a table game or like a one, three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it was. They just had, they, they had no clue. And I, you know, I had, I had tons of information that they didn't have. Um, plus I think I was just coming at it from a different angle, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean that my first interest was the reason was cause somebody was talking about strategy to me. You know, a lot of these other people, they see some glorified thing on television and they come into a casino and they look at it from the aspect that they're walking into a casino already. So it's already going to be a gambling thing. They're looking at like big money on ESPN that they just saw this guy win a bunch of money. And I came in in a much different way. I was like, Oh, this is a strategy based game. Let me see if I can get in there and, and, you know, apply my skills. And, you know, so it's, it's a def- completely different mindset. Nowadays, the, the mentality of the game is all about skill, right? Everybody looks at it as it is a skill-based game, and they come in to compete. So when I, if anybody, the ter- at least the tournaments I play now, which is like a, a far cry from what I was playing back then. You know, back then, I was, I was playing like those 1-3 games and 2-5 games. And, you know, if I made a couple hundred bucks, I'd be really happy. Now the tournaments I play are like, you know, five and $10,000 buy-ins. So it's, it's, it is a different field of people, but also the game has completely changed. Like it is, it is, it has uh, evolved a, a lot. So back to when you were in college, you started, you started taking off in the, in the poker world. What were you doing outside of poker at that time? Um, I mean, back then it like when I first started getting into poker it was really just like poker and then partying. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it really was like, like I took poker very seriously. And then the rest of the time I, I didn't take, I, I wish I would have, I didn't take college that seriously. I just wanted to get through it. I ended up getting my degree. Um, my, uh, my first year at college, I wasn't really playing much poker and I was on the crew team. I did. I was on, I was, I was on the rowing team at UCLA for the first year, but then when poker came into my life, that sort of took a back seat and I didn't continue my second year. Um, I had some weird, odd, odd job type things. Like I was like a, a basketball player on the movie Coach Carter. Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I wasn't as, I was like not as good. I was a special, they call him a special ability extra. So I was like one of the reserve guys. Like I, I sat on, a, on the bench right next to the coach. But yeah, but like I was, I got paid the same as a basketball player so there's a couple scenes where you can see me in there i'm on the rival team damn dude i gotta rewatch <laughs> little little coach carter action i gotta uh, see it so stuff like that and then i uh you know i worked on i was a production assistant on the show one tree hill love the a, show yeah oh yeah do you did you love that show th dude yeah it's huge i mean i don't understand why it's a big deal it's a great show that's fine dude that's actually the the show that i that's the show that my friend was on that i mean so you've seen it so you know who like i've seen it i like i had a girlfriend back in the day girls loved it and then i had to in turn i had to watch it and it was one of those things where i i knew what was going on I wasn't well, you know, there's the two main guys, right? Yeah, the, like the Chad Michael brothers. Murray and the other guy. And the other guy. The other guy was like my one of my best friends growing up. Oh, so. the other the other basketball player, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. James yeah, Lafferty yeah. is yeah, his yeah, name. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was living in North Carolina, and that's where they were filming the show in North Carolina. Um, 
in Wilmington, North Carolina. And that, that's where I, I went out there for the summer in between first and second year. And that's where I was a production assistant on the show and where I actually started to like the game of poker. Did you, so the, you're, you're, you're really into like the, the whole movie thing, right? Like you, you're, you're, you were besides for poker. Yeah. When I, I, I never, when I was in college, I used poker as a, as a means to, you know, just to make money and, and, and as, as like a, a competitive outlet, but it was never my dream. Actually, I didn't want to be a professional poker player. Right. I wanted to do film and television production. I mean, initially I actually kind of wanted to act, but I, I, I quickly realized that's like a, it's such a superstar effect. Like it, like the, the top, top, top make all the money. And then, I mean, there's a stat out there. It's like 80% of the Screen Actors Guild. These are people that are actually have had enough jobs to be able to get into the Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. They, 80% of them make $7,500 or less a year. It's like, and, and outside of the Screen Actors Guild, there's like infinite more people that haven't even gotten enough credits to be able to get into that. So like they're making even less. Um, it's just, you have to be super lucky as well as have the best contacts and all that stuff. So I decided that. I wanted to be involved in the industry, um, so I wanted to do production. And after college, I ended up interning at a uh, um, a talent management company called Kritzer, Levine, Wilkins, Griffin, and I was helping them start their production side of the company. Um, and I also produced uh, a short film. I got to be part of a film that was that did pretty well. Our short film was called Hours Before. Um, I think you can find. It. I think it's still available on iTunes, actually. If you you guys want to check that out? Nice. Um, yeah, it, yeah, we did. Uh, we did pretty good. We uh, we got like the audience choice award at Hollywood Short Film Festival, and then we were like the opening um, film at uh, I believe it was the Toronto Film Festival. We did we did like pretty well in, in the festivals, but um, the like the the content of our of our short film it's called Hours Before because it's about uh, a kid that it's about the hours before a kid's about to go shoot up his high school. And oh, this was, this was during the, this, pretty relevant. I, wait, yeah, I, I we did this. I think we did this in 2009 to 2010 is we did it. We filmed it in 2009 and we released it in 2010. And like, it was like right when all those shootings started happening, uh, you know, and we all felt very like weird about releasing it, promoting it, promoting yeah. something about this. It actually in hindsight, we probably should have, and we just never did. And uh, I didn't have the like the social media reach I have now, but but the, there was people involved in the project that could have done well with it. Mm-hmm. Like James, the guy that was on One Tree Hill, he was the executive producer, meaning he he financed it. Um, and then Joel David Moore directed it. Joel David Moore is a guy that's been on. Uh, he was an Avatar. I don't know if you. I've seen the movie seen it he's the he's like the scientist guy that was like pissed off that he didn't get to be the guy that went you know? oh yeah, yeah yeah i know what you're talking about also he was also in dodgeball and in grandma's boy both great if, movies yeah he's classics here. in grandma's boy he's jp anyways he directed it so like they both had like some social media reach at the time that, that we could have done something with it but they all felt that it was just uh the wrong timing because of all the shootings that were happening yeah, so, that's, I bet you. What if it was like released like in today's atmosphere? I bet it would be even like more. I don't know. I don't know what the word yeah. is like. Well, what what was I the mean, premise behind it? Like, what was the messaging you guys are trying to get across? I mean, was it dark or was it's it dark? More, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, it's dark. It's it's uh, 
it's, it's, it's just like, it plays into the psyche of like the person that's going to be willing to do that. And, mm. and it, it just sort of, it's just sort of like a, a 15 minute, like <clears throat> view into like, why would this kid do this? And like, what he's thinking about beforehand. And it's like a conversation between him and his best friend. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's appropriate. I don't know if it will ever be appropriate, but yeah. it's, it's that's, like, that's the it's point of movies, film. isn't it? It's supposed yeah. to like the point of movies is supposed to, or like at least movies like that is to make someone uncomfortable about the yeah. conversation. Yes. Right. So yeah, and it's challenging. It's supposed to be challenging and it's right. supposed to make you think something that you hadn't previously thought. Right. Or, right. you know, at least start considering something, you know, in your mind. And I think that, I think the film does that. Um, but it's it's just weird for for somebody to, to to use their social media platform or something or use their image to just to go ahead and push that out there. They're gonna have to be willing to take some heat too. Oh yeah. It's like I don't think I don't I think they all deem that it just wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. There wasn't gonna there wasn't enough to gain from it. Um I don't know though. I mean I, I think it's a a great film. I think we did a good job in the amount of time, the amount of money we had with it. But Anyways, going back to, uh, yeah, I was, I, I was working for Kutcherlim Wilkins Griff and helping them start their production side of the company, um, doing things like working with their talent that they had like some actors and stuff that wanted to try to write and they had some, um, some writers and stuff like I would, I would work with them on their, on their screenplays and, uh, and try to help them along and then the company would uh, then take some of those scripts and, and, and try to create a project out of it. Mm. So that's what I was doing. And I was interning. So I was working for free at first. And then I had my first paid day on Friday, March 26, 2010. And then on Saturday, March 27, 2010, I broke my neck. Uh, so, geez. yeah. Um, um, do you yeah. want to, so, so just so everyone knows, um, you had a tragic accident that kind of uh changed your life um and the way that i've just i just got to know you today and the way that you've already talked like you wouldn't even notice that it's even like a thing in your life like right now um you want to like kind of like go into that on like how that kind of changed your mindset on life or if it did if it didn't um and kind of um how you kind of maintain to be positive even in like the face of that yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, so yeah, I, I broke my neck in a swimming pool accident. Um, I became a quadriplegic from it. I was in a coma for a few days. I don't remember the day. Um, I was, you know, drinking a little bit and stuff, but that wasn't really the reasoning. I don't remember it. Uh, my body did like a defensive thing where after I woke up out of the coma, I was unable to remember that day. And even the night before, there's like a, pretty big time period missing as like a defensive thing. I think it's what your brain does sometimes to protect you from having to experience like a, a catastrophic, yeah, like a traumatic yeah. event, you know, I've heard the same thing. Cause like if, uh, if you have to keep reliving it, it'll, it'll, it'll mess with you. Right. And, mm-hmm. and therefore you probably have a, a smaller chance at, uh, at procreation <laughs> speaking in evolutionary terms. So yeah, that's the point, right? That's, yeah. that's what we're all trying to do here. So do you, do you know at all what happened? Um, I mean, honestly, I had like nine friends there. Nobody really knows exactly how it happened. The pool was only two and a half feet deep. 
and I'm six foot three. So, and I, I know what I used to do. I used to do like, I used to do like these like front flip things over people. I was going to say, are you, are you the backflip guy? I would never do a, I wouldn't do backflips. I wasn't, I wasn't that good, you know? Yeah. Uh, I guess I wasn't really good at all. How things ended up. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know why I was able to maintain the consistent positivity I did. I literally never had like a, a depressed moment or like I never felt bad for myself. I never said why me. I never, I never did any of that. I, I remember the moment I woke up out of my coma. I, I could hear the doctor or it was like a nurse talking to my friend Tobin Tobin's the guy that actually pulled me out of the water. Um, and they were telling him like, oh yeah, he should be awake now. He should be able to go in and talk to him. And I was like, and I was like putting stuff together. I was like, okay, I'm in the hospital. Something's yeah. wrong with me. I yeah. like, and I was like, my buddy's here to see me. And he, they, they say, I'm just waking up. I'm like, I'm going to fuck with this dude. I was <laughs> no like, way. Yeah, like the, first, the first thing in my head is like, I'm like, how, how can I get him? How can I get him? And I'm like, I don't, I know something's wrong with me. I don't know the extent yet, but, uh, but he's like, I know he's coming in. So what I do is I, I act like I'm not breathing. I keep my mouth agape. I'm like, my mouth's wide open and I'm just Holy like shit. not breathing with my eyes closed. Are you fucking kidding Yeah, me? so Tobin comes in and he's like, hey, Garrett, 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 like trying to like talk softly. I'm not responding. My mouth's just wide open. It's like his, his voice gets louder and louder. Garrett, Garrett, Garrett. And then he starts, I start, I feel his hand on my shoulder and he gives me like a little shake and I don't, I don't do anything. I don't respond. And he's like, Garrett, Garrett, Garrett. And then I hear him like, kind of turn he's like hey 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 and i just like went ah like i knew he was about to like start <laughs> to get hilarious. the nerves because he was like getting worried but uh but yeah that was like my first instinct was to try to do something funny or something you know like yeah i don't know um i have some sort of like block in my head where i don't know how to let like the past affect my current mindset so um just right out the gate i was able to you know, just, just to look forward. I mean, I did have a, a great support group from my friends. Um, I went to the Cedar, I was in the Cedar Sinai hospital. Um, it happened right across the street from Cedar Sinai, um, which was fortunate. I had somebody there pretty quickly because when they pulled me out of the water, I wasn't breathing. I was like completely blue. Um, and uh, they had like uh, paramedics there within like four minutes or something. So it was, it was very fortunate for that. And I was going to come up for three days. But then in the hospital at Cedar sinai for three weeks long, like, I didn't spend a minute alone. My friends were there the entire time. Awesome. Uh, great support group. So yeah. um, that I, I, I'd have to say that helped tremendously, right? To, yeah. to never be alone and to have that kind of positive support. Um, they were all still partying, though. They were... They literally would be like drinking in my no way <laughs> in the in the uh, emergency or like what is it in my is it, is it cool if I bring a forty in here? I, if I'm gonna be here for a couple yeah, hours. Hope you're yeah. all right. I'm just gonna crush this forty real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they literally like, like would like party inside of my uh, inside of my hospital room. Tells you a lot about how comfortable they felt though with yeah. you and like yeah. the way that you made them feel. Because like I don't know about anyone else who's listening to this podcast, but like. There, there. Anyone who has ever visited someone in the hospital, it's like people do one of two things: either they act normal or they act timid, right? Yeah. And so if they're acting normal, it means like they, you, you as the person on the other side, made them feel comfortable. 
that, that that's that's good insight, I guess. Actually, I haven't, I haven't thought I about think, it that way. Yeah, that makes yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like um, I I know like it, it'd be like just speaking personal experience. Like if I play basketball and I tweak my ankle, I think the world's gonna come to an end, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm in my bed, like icing my ankle, going like "fuck the world." Are you fucking like? <laughs> I, I know like like you doing that and still having like a positive outlook is is like pretty incredible um like just right away to have because like usually a person's first instinct is if they hurt themselves it's like how am i gonna how am i gonna do x or how am i gonna do y like how am i gonna do this like today and then it's always like a pity party um yeah and so it's kind of like to hear that you can come out of that and just be like i can fuck with my friend like as a first instinct it's like probably the greatest thing i've ever heard yeah <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with the, with this injury. It's it's tough, and it like I have a I have a buddy with the same injury pretty much, and he calls it the gift that keeps on giving because literally there's there's challenges every day. Like just to get up in here, you know, Ryan had to carry me up the stairs. Like literally had to carry me up, and like you know, that's somebody that's something that could fuck with somebody. You know, like mm-hmm. the fact that you know, as a man, I have to be carried up stairs. Like that's something that I could focus on. That's something that I could bring myself down with, right? Right. Um, and there are moments and opportunities all along the last eight years of my life where I look back, I could have been upset, you know, probably like 50 times every single day. Like there was moments where I could let it break me down and stuff. But it's, I feel like it's just like a, a certain type of mindset that you need to have to be able to persist through this. Um, I think it's a type of mindset that everybody should have in general. But um, if yeah. everyone had your type of mindset, dude, this world would be a little bit of a different spot, you know, because a lot of people, like Bob said, make the smallest things magnet magnified mm-hmm. and really in perspective, they're, <laughs> they're like, you know, so. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, the, to a point, though, everything is relative. And if somebody's never experienced anything crazy in their life, you know, that one thing could be pretty traumatic for them. It could it could be tough. I, I sort of had some preparation. I had a, not the most standard childhood. I, I had a, you know, I never knew my mother and my father was like a, a druggy Chippendales dancer. And my grandma actually stole me away from him when I was five. And then he would still come back stuff. Like I had to like watch my dad like overdose when I was like 12. I laid with him while he convulsed and shit like that. So like I, I had great grandparents. My grandparents were awesome, but like, you know, the other side of it, the time I spent with my dad, I tried living with him again when I was eight. I tried living with him again when I was 14. And uh, like on my 14th birthday, the dude convinced me to live with him. He got me high. He got me drunk, took me to a strip club. High as in pot? Yeah. I had never smoked before. I never drank before. But he got me high and he got me drunk. And took you to a strip club. And took me to a strip club. A male or female? 14. A female strip club. Okay. That's but good. even That's though, because he, I did say he was a chip and nose dancer. Okay. Yeah. Good question. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we got to clear the air there. Yeah. Good question. And, uh, and he, he knew the DJ. So he got me into, I uh, probably, I don't know if you've heard of OGs in Vegas. It's like Olympic gardens or something. I think is what it's called. That place, I guess used to be fire back in the day. I don't know. I, I didn't like, I, I don't know. 14, it was, it's not fire. It was, it was all very weird to me. And this is what he put me through at 14. So this is like, like seeing this kind of stuff was like, uh, you know, it, it, developed my mind in a few ways some people would say it would be bad but honestly like I had such consistency from my grandparents and then I had this other like bad influence but like mind-opening influence like 
I was able to see two sides of yeah. the world while I grew up. And so like my, the span, like the, the, the breadth of my, my reach and my mental reach was wide growing up. So like I understood there's so many different places you can be in life. And, and I understood, you know, like how certain things can affect certain people in different ways and stuff. And I was just, I was, I guess what I'm saying is I was, it's pretty, a pretty woke kid. <laughs> um, you but I like you, you you got to understand like at an early age right from wrong I guess like you got yeah. this, like wrong like the whole spectrum though like not just like this is hot this is not you got to see like these is ethically completely different than this yes which yeah. is like crazy for a younger kid to see at an early age but don't let don't let like don't let like the the story that Garrett said so far like fool you like he's he has used every like from what i know about garrett and obviously it's things i've read and a little bit of what we talked about but like he's used that all to create some success for yourself yeah so go from those moments right you learn those moments growing up you know you, you had the accent where you're at ucla and then what happens from your life from there on so i mean it wasn't it didn't get it wasn't smooth yet at all that's for sure i was in the hospital for three weeks at Cedar sinai then I was at in a Downey Rehabilitation Hospital for seven weeks, and then I moved in with my aunt and uncle. I was actually, I had to make the decision who was going to take me. My dad was there that time as well, and my dad was fucked up, high on cocaine, I could tell. I was in a hospital bed, and it was my aunt and cousin on one side and my dad on the other, and I had to decide who was going to take me. My dad was there, and he was fucked up, and I could tell, and I just, I had to choose my aunt in front of him pretty tough moment as well, but it was, it, it was, it was for the best. It was the right decision. Um, so I moved in with my aunt and uncle and I was living with them for, from June of 2010 until, and then in December, I was there still in December of 2010, just trying to do like therapy and stuff, trying to piece my life back together. Um, and in December of 2010, my aunt and uncle got divorced. So I was living with them when they got divorced and, you know, they had to split assets and stuff like that. And like, um, they told me I had four months to figure out what I was going to do. I was going to need to move out in April of 2011. And I was broke. Now I had spent all the money that I'd ever had. I was now living off of the government. You know, I, you know, everything that I had was supplemented by the government. Um, and there was just no way I was ever going to be able to afford living in California on my own. And on top of that, I was, a quadriplegic paralyzed like what what the hell was I going to do so in January of 2011 I decided to hop on my poker stars account I was like you know what maybe I should just give poker one more go and then uh and then uh I, I logged on to my poker stars account I had 99 cents and 10,000 fpps these frequent player points now they had these tournaments you could buy into with frequent player points where the first and second place would get a certain amount of tournament money. So I turned my FPPs into $160 T money. It's not real money. And then I started playing these really small, like, you know, dollar buy-in tournaments with the T money. And I built it up from, from January 2011 until I had to move out. I signed a lease to move out April 9th of 2011. And I had 50 K real money to my name. So all from just playing poker stars. Yeah. That's the grind, dude. Yeah. From, from nine, from 99 real money in my account to less than three months later, I had 50 K real money. 
So that and, is the grind. Jesus, dude. Yeah. Can I put my head through a fucking wall right now? Oh my <laughs> god. Yeah, it was uh it was crazy. So how then, many hours were you like going at it a day? Well, I would do therapy in the morning until like one or something, and then I would as soon as I got home. I would just set up. I would. I'd get right into bed. Actually, like as soon as I got home, I'd eat something and get into bed, and I'd set up, sit there with my laptop. I'd be there until I fell asleep until like eleven or something. So I'd, I'd play for like ten hours every day after therapy. And the days I didn't have therapy, I'd play like all day, fourteen to sixteen hours. Um, Were you like four boxing? Like how is this working here? Oh, like how many ta- tables was I playing? Yeah, like twelve. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, like I'd play twelve to sixteen. No way. Yeah, I mean, there's been times in the past where. Like I had, like I was just trying to play a bunch. I've played like 40 tables at once before. Um, and that, I, I don't think you can be as, uh, as profitable when you do that. But I mean, yeah. you're, you're getting a, a ton more volume in. So you're slightly less profitable, but you know, you you get more volume. So there's, but I mean, there's a give and a take there. Right. But that's a, that's poker strategy. That's something else. Yeah. But anyways. Um, yeah. So then uh, in April, I moved out into my own apartment. Um, but that's the same, uh, month that poker stars became illegal in America. So I signed my lease on Are April. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I signed my lease on April 9th for, it was like $1,100 a month for my own, own apartment. Um, and I'd only gotten 8,000, my 50,000 out of the website when I did that. And the rest of the money was in my poker stars account. And then and on, on April 15th, 2011, they call it black Friday in poker. All these websites, Poker Stars, Full Till, Ultimate Bet, you would go onto the website and it would just be a big DOJ stamp on the on the on the thing. People were playing, some of my friends were playing when it was happening, and they said just it all just stopped. Everything went blank. What did DOJ stand for? Department of Justice. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, they came, they cracked down, they uh they they stopped being able to gamble online in, in, in America on these sites and they so I was already committed into this year long lease, this apartment, and I I didn't even have the money I had out of there. But you and took eight thousand out of the fifty thousand, yeah. and that would give you a runway of about seven months. I mean, yeah, I mean, I got yeah, if yeah. you didn't eat, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah give or take. Yeah, God. I mean, at this point, I wasn't reporting this income either. I I was like, I'm still living off the government a little bit. Um, but it was a sweat. It was like a it was like a month long sweat. And then they, they ended up releasing the funds, which was awesome. I got nervous. I took all the money out. I put it, I was stoked to get it, but I put it all in a cashier's check. So I just like let it sit there and I didn't trust poker sites anymore. So what I did is I only deposited a hundred dollars on the next site. So now I was playing with 50 K and I was starting to make really poker stuff and trust poker sites. So I only allowed myself to put a hundred dollars on the next site. I found another site that was working in the U S and, uh, it was called a uh, merge. It was the merge network. I put a hundred bucks on, and ten months later, I turned it into a hundred eleven thousand. Yeah, from a hundred bucks, and uh, pretty good. Yeah, I was I was pretty stoked on it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I uh, and this, did you this leave point, it in there or did you cash it out? I would cash it out from time to time, and yeah. I'd leave some in there. I would transfer some to like some of my friends. I was starting to stake people. I was starting to widen my my reach in the poker world you know the range a little bit yeah yeah i was starting i was starting to grow i was starting to uh, build um and then after that i ended up playing like a couple live tournaments for my i hadn't played live in a long time like since morongo days playing cash games um before my injury 
And then now then my, some of my friends would like to go play live. So I went with them and I played a tournament, bought into this like $400 tournament with my friends. And I ended up getting heads up in it and chopping it. I got like $19,000 for it. And it was, it was like the most money I had won in like one tournament right. at the time. And so I got kind of stoked on playing like live tournaments. So I started factoring them a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, and, uh, and I was living in this apartment alone, but then one of my buddies from my hometown came out and moved in with me and the apartment wasn't big enough for the both of us. So we ended up moving into a house right around the corner and, uh, would grind poker online and then we would go play live tournaments every once in a while. So I decided in, in the end of February of 2013, I decided to enter into a, um, a $10,000 uh, buy-in at Commerce Casino. It's called the LAPC. And I ended up getting seventh place in that tournament for like 163000 It's cheap. So, boom. I was like, yeah, I was like, all right. So you you're know? at like 500K <laughs> in lifetime earnings at this point. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, I think this might be what I'm supposed to do. So I started taking <laughs> it very seriously. I started traveling. Um, I, I, I immediately went to another tournament. It was a $7,500 buy-in in San Jose and I got, I cashed that tournament for like 20,000 and then I ended up going out to Vegas for the summer, playing some tournaments, doing okay. Came back, I played this tournament in, in, uh, at the Bicycle Casino um, in August. Oh, I, I forgot to say, so I went out to the summer in 2013 and I played, I played some good tournaments. Oh, your, your dad's calling. Declined. Sorry, pops. We're, Busy. we're on Instagram live right now. What is this guy doing? Um, so, uh, so yes, yeah, so I went out to Vegas for the summer to play, um, to, to take it seriously, to take it like a real career, like a real, um, a real thing. And, uh, I didn't have that good of a summer, but I had a friend that had a really good summer and we would, uh, do something called swapping. Like where if you find somebody else talented in, in poker, you, would give them a percentage of yourself for a percentage of them. You know, it's it, what it does is reduces variance. And, uh, but you have to, you have to know that the player is good in order right. to do it. Right. So or, you're hedging. Not both hedging. Like, it is a hedge. Yeah. So you're basically saying, but they have to be playing a different game than you. No, you're playing. The, it's only when you're playing Ooh, in the same tournament. You yeah. dirty dog. You're you. buying, you're yeah. buying a stake in each other. And yeah, exactly. so you're saying, yeah. okay, if I don't win us both, having a chance to win yeah. with our percentages is much higher. Yeah. So I'll yeah. that they play is just place at X amount. I'm giving up a percentage to you, yeah. but it's also guaranteeing me money. If you win it. Well. Exactly. And yeah. What was the percentage of like a bad, a bad role? Is that legal? Yeah. 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 No, it's fine. I mean, it, the, where it becomes, um, wrong is if you start soft playing each other, if you end up on the same table yeah. and because you have a percentage of each other, you play differently versus each other than you would against others. Then they would that would border on the lines of collusion, and that's not allowed in poker. That's so not okay. So how do you get around that? You just play. I mean, people take it seriously. They just play against each other. Like even though we have, you know, one percent, five percent, twenty percent of each other, whatever it happens to be, you just have to play against each other. Right. You just have to respect the game. Um, wow. Now, obviously, you don't you don't do things out of line that you don't need to. It's I'm not gonna like take advantage of my friend because he knows we're friends. Like, and I've dealt with some poker players like that, that will take advantage. They'll, they'll act buddy, buddy. And then when they get on the table, they'll just keep being really aggressive against you because they know that, Oh, we're friends. He's going to play soft again. He's going to like, not, he's going to think that I have it, you know, he's going to think right. that I, 
that I, that I have a good hand, like always, um, I've experienced that and that sucks, but, but yeah, but anyways, back to that. So that swap. So we played, a that summer, um, we played, a the $10,000 main event. There's like 7,000 people in this. So I swapped with multiple people. And so I'd swap 1% with a bunch of different people. And one of them ended up winning the main event for 8.3 million. So my 1% was $83,000. So, but then, uh, so I was inspired. So I immediately, um, went, what I did is I, uh, I went home and I went and I rented a house in Mexico. So I was living in Newport beach and I went and I found a house in just North of Rosarito on the beach in, in Mexico. And I started renting this three bedroom house for like dirt cheap, like 1800 square foot house right on the beach for like a thousand dollars a month. And, uh, it's, it's absurd down there, but it, anyways, I did it so that I could start playing on poker stars again. So that very first, <laughs> yeah. So that very, <laughs> dude, I want to yeah. stop you right there. <laughs> like you're greedy as fuck, dude. Like if you go back to like saying, okay, uh, sites down. So we're going to figure this out saying like, I'm not going to follow these rules. I'm going to move to Mexico so I can play yeah. and make some freaking money. Yeah. I think yeah. it's insane. It's great. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I actually rented a house in Mexico for a little over two years to be able to play on poker stars. Um, and yeah, I mean that very first weekend that I had the house, I was like inspired by my buddy. I made like another $50,000 that, that very first weekend. And I, and, and then, um, and then I came back and I played a tournament in August. Uh, it was like a $4,000 buy and I ended up getting eighth place in that for another 50,000 in August, of 2013. And then, um, that, that year sort of, I, I had another really good weekend in November online. I made like $80,000 in one weekend in November. And then, um, come 2014, I played that same LAPC tournament again and I got 28th place for like 28,000. And then I played that San Jose tournament again, $7,500 buy-in and I ended up getting sixth place in that for 174,000. Um, so you're just, you're just piling on. Yeah, yeah it, it was going, it was going really well. And then I, and then I went back out to Vegas again in 2014 for the summer and I played the main event again. And now this time I made a run at the main event and this time it was $10 million for first place. We're down. I'm playing, I'm into day six of this tournament and, um, I get it all in with ace queen against ace Jack and just that. Jack on the river, man, ends my dreams. I get 32nd place out of like 7,000 people. Damn. I still cash for 230,000. Wow. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, and then I have a, I go back down to my Mexico house, September. I have 150 K month on poker stars in September. And then, uh, uh, and then in December, I play the 10K five diamond in at the Bellagio in Vegas. And finally, I, I, get, I, I get the big one. I get heads up and I chop it with my uh, a friend of mine. His name's Mosin. Um, mm-hmm. We both get, I get 1.169 million. Yeah, in December of can 2014. We just, can, we just, can we just give give that a minute? Can we just, can we just throw <laughs> yeah. that one out there? Holy shit, dude! It, it, dude, it just kept coming, man. I was playing a lot. I was heater. working on my game. I was on a heater. I was making good decisions. It was like you know, you. I was running hot, and I was making, and I was 
killing it, man. I was just, everything I played, I would just get deep in. I'd make some money and yeah. So it's not a bad life. It's not, it's not bad at all. So yeah. It's a little different than some of our, um, probably Brian and our poker experiences, but yeah. Uh, Like I play, I play some games with my buddies. You know, ten dollar, ten dollar buy-ins, twenty dollar buy-ins. Wow, we're gonna have to play one of these days. <laughs> I'll pass unless unless I can get twenty percent stake. <laughs> uh, so, like at this point, were you like, were were you thinking in your head like, shit, this is my, do I, I do I love what I'm doing, or were you just like, I'm just making money right now, I'm gonna write it. Um, I mean. It's kind of hard not to like be like this is pretty unreal. I was I was I was loving it. I was spending all my time doing it. I was starting to not put enough attention on myself, like at, like as far as my like physical health mm-hmm. stuff like that. I was spending all my time in casinos. I was starting to drink a lot. Like there was some bad coming with the good. Like putting yourself in in a casino all day every day is just not good for you. It's very hard to be mm-hmm. um, healthy and clear-minded when you, there's no clocks on the wall you can't tell what the what it's like outside you don't know what time of day it is you're surrounded with people that are constantly drinking and smoking and and you like you're in a casino so even though you're with some good poker players you're surrounded by a bunch of you know, very not, sad people yeah very sad people that are just grinding their life away like betting their putting their house down into the slot machines and stuff like that like you know, it, it's, it's, it, get, it can get toxic. Yeah. And, uh, and then I also started, I was starting to date this girl that, or I was, I had been dating this girl that we started having some problems. And then 2015 ended up being a, not the best year. It, uh, she came out with me to the, to the world series that summer. Um, we fought every day. I was drinking every day. Uh, you know, I was in the casino every day and I, I had like, worst year I've ever had. Um, I hadn't won anything or won any money up until the summer. And then this summer I, I played 33 tournaments live and I cashed zero of them. Literally mm-hmm. went zero for 33. I'd never done anything like that it's in my life. It's like, a crazy anomaly. I hate to, yeah. I hate to stop here, but it's, it's interesting how like when things outside of what you're doing seem to have a mental play in what you're doing. hundred percent. Yeah, it's it was, wild. It was, it was, uh, you know, in hindsight now looking back, you, I can just tell that like, I may have been running bad as well, but like it had a direct influence in wow. how I was playing and, and it starts to, it starts to, um, you know, stack on top of itself. Like, you know, you, you're not feeling good. So you get into a fight with your girlfriend. So then you drink and then you don't get good sleep. And then you play a tournament on bad sleep with, anger issues with your girlfriend. So you drink more while you're playing and then you make a bad decision and something happens and you think it's the luck. So then you start making more bad decisions and then you get knocked out of the tournament. You've been playing all day. You get knocked out at the end of the day and then you're just pissed off more. So you go home and you get another fight with your girlfriend. You drink some more, play another turn the next day. And now you're just making bad decisions, but you think it's all, you don't realize that you could just take a step back, breathe while you're in it. though. While you're in it, you, you, don't think you're doing anything wrong. You think the world's piling up on you, but really you're making all the decisions that's creating this to happen. But you think that it's piling up on you. You think the world's doing something to you. Right. So you're, uh, I don't want to use the word, but like there's almost, you went in a state of like being victim or like yeah. being like the world is against me or like 
the external world is what's wrong, well, this, not, this not, is, what's hap- not what the choices I'm making in life. Yeah, I'd say in, in, uh, in my memory of my own life, I'd say this is one of the times where I, I did victimize myself more than any. I, I put myself into a situation where I thought that I didn't have control. Yeah. And I did. I, I could have at many times chosen to start making some different decisions, and I didn't. And I let all of my previous bad decisions affect my future decisions right. and it just it just kept going and just kept going and going and going and all of 2015 was a terrible year terrible year i had a t- i mean 2014 was a great year and i dated her during that year and we had a great relationship in 2015 we had a bad relationship and i had a bad year in poker and i was starting to make bad decisions drinking and partying and stuff like that um not focusing on my career not focusing on goals anything um, but then, uh, I start to, I start to sort of erase the poisons in my life. I start to, um, I started working out a little bit. I started eating healthier. I just did made, I made simple changes. You know, I started doing like a, you know, a smoothie every morning and dude, dude it's crazy how like, like, like the little thing, like just like little steps like that, like translate into like bigger things. Like yeah. just like simply like working out, like yes. just like going like, Hey, I'm going to wake up every morning earlier and just go to the gym and then so, just see if that translates in, in st- into like other things in my life. Like those simple things, like you don't even notice it, but it just like, it's like stepping stairs. Well, exactly. Just like I said, all those, all those shitty things pile up and then start affecting your future decisions the yeah. same way. You just start creating a base, start creating that platform to build off and then it, it makes just each step the way just easier and easier and easier. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So like those little things I did, I, I mean, I, I loved the girl, but we were toxic. So we separated. That was another thing. And then, you know, just making healthy decisions, just doing daily activities, so the, a routine based thing started getting myself into a, a better headspace again. So I, one of the things that like I've learned from the Tony Robbins stuff is like, um, like emotional states. And like one of the three things that he goes into is like, if you want to change your state, change your physiology, that's the first thing. So like what you eat or if you work out, like that will immediately change your mindset. And then when you change your physiology, you change what you focus on. And then when you change what you focus on, you change your internal language patterns, which ultimately changes the way you feel. So like, I don't know. I was just like repeating that back in my head the whole time you were talking. Cause like those simple things that you and Bob, you're talking about, it's like, if I put a smoothie into my body versus an alcoholic drink, that's going to change my state. Right. It's going to, mm-hmm. it's one of those like basic physical things that like, if you change that first, go back to like nature and are the way we're supposed to be. And then it, that propels you forward. Yeah. I, I also, that's, that's super true. I also think that, you know, just by the act of, making a decision and doing something and then coming back three weeks later and realizing that you did it and it happened, it starts to spawn this like, that's right. I can control my future. I can, I can alter my path. So, and then it makes the next decision that you have to make easier. Um, Is that when you started getting into the health stuff? Yeah, that's when I, I actually, after doing like the every day, the, the, the smoothie every day thing and starting to just be more conscientious of my health in general, I then decided to 
uh, stopped eating red meat and pork at that same time in early 2016. And I, I did it for, I just wanted to do like a 40 day thing, just a challenge for myself. And then on day 41, I celebrated with like a strip of bacon and it just didn't taste the same. And, uh, I just decided to go for it. So I started changing. Uh, that was just another decision I made that I was able to, whether it's, it, I'm not saying it's the right decision in any way. I'm not saying that it's, 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 uh, it's what everybody should do. I'm just saying for me at the time, it was another way that I, I affected my life. Another way that I made a decision and something that I, I committed to and I held and it was another success. It was another win, um, that I was able to keep doing it. You know, I was able to take something that I had done my entire life and take it out because I made the decision that I think it was going to be the best decision for me. And for me personally, it was, I, my whole system started getting really regular again. I also, um, one of the things I hadn't quit yet though, I was still partying and drinking. I was still drinking a lot. I've always had a, a, a sort of a problem with drinking, but, uh, but, but now I've been, I've been good on that now. But, uh, anyways, yeah. So 2016, um, ended up becoming a much better year. Yeah. It, it was like another, you know, it was like I had taken like, you know, thousand steps forward and then I got hit with a huge step back. And then 2016, I started rebuilding again. Um, and, uh, so in April, uh, or so I also played LAPC in 2016. I cashed it. I played the tournament in San Jose. I got, I cashed that. And then I went to Florida in April and I ended up getting second place in the tournament there for, uh, 458,000. <laughs> so, uh, and not, not a bad payday. <laughs> you get taxed in Florida then or because uh, you're in California. No, resident? no, it was fine. They just, they just W2G me again. I just have to pay it at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Like in poker, you get to you keep all the money you have until the end of the year. You have to, you have to be pretty responsible. Um, otherwise you're not gonna be able to pay taxes at the end of the year. Yeah. Right. Um, and that, that happens to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, so, so then that happened that was in April. And then I went back out to Vegas again at the end of May to play for the summer again. And, uh, one of the first tournaments I play is this thing, this tournament called the millionaire maker. It's a, a $1,500 buy-in, but there was 7,190 people in it. And so a huge tournament, 7,200 people. And I ended up getting a Second in that tournament. Second? Yeah, for, oh my God. for a million and 30,000. It was my second seven-figure score. Um, but it, it was just so crazy to, to see, like, my path. Like, to see how it, all, my, all the money I won just kept building. I kept getting deeper in tournaments, winning more and more money. As I was, you know, it just sort of, like, built on itself until I finally had – in the end of 2014, I had that, that huge score. And then – you know, when all the other things in my life started going down and I started going down, 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 I didn't win any money and it all just built up on itself. And then, and then I had to work my way back up. And I started making those simple decisions again. And then all of a sudden I was winning huge amounts of money again. It was just like, there is a, there is such a direct like relationship between, you know, like you said, like even like physiology and mental health and your successes and your, your ability to make good decisions. Right. Um, so at this point in 2016, like what I want to get to is when, when did you decide that, you know, 
this isn't fulfilling me and in, in terms of a, like a, a passion type thing when when is poker when did you get to the point where you were like poker is not fulfilling me like to where you know you don't feel like you're it's your passion or like there's just like a better thing that you need to do or a, a deeper calling at, at what point was that um i i mean i think it has a little bit to do with my my grandmother um she in 2014 I, my grandmother got put in an assisted living facility and, uh, she had dementia and mm. she raised me and to get all of her finances together, they were going to sell the house that she owned and it was the house that I grew up in. So I was, I was fortunate enough that I was able to buy that house. Um, I put renters in there, but, uh, but yeah, but what, like, so there was a couple things. So like I was financially able to buy a house. I made my first investment that year in 2014 and I owned a house, but then at the same time, I was also watching my grandmother go through dementia. So there's a couple of things that happen here. I, I start to, to see, you know, investment potential outside of poker mm -hmm. and I watch somebody nearing the end of their life. So like, there's a lot of things that are, are happening yeah. to me here where I'm starting to realize like, you know, what's important in life and what I want to do. I started thinking about my life in a different way. My grandma's situation, I think also played into my bad 2015, but as it was, as I came fully back around again and started making those good decisions again, I think I started to think about it in a different way. I started to think about life in a different way. I, I started feeling different about poker. I started feeling like at the end of 2016, I, uh, I also met, um, Jessica, the girl that I dated up until recently. Um, and she, she is a, like an Instagram fitness model. And she had, when we met, she had 2.1 million followers and she made her entire living from social media. So that as well, meeting her and being with her and watching her make her money through YouTube and Instagram and all this stuff. I, you know, it expanded my mind a little bit more as well. Just, just seeing like all the different potentials out there and what you can do and watching her do what she did with her following. And it was for her, it was, you know, there's bits of there of her being like, uh, um, you know, motivational and, and helping all these, uh, women out and be confident about themselves and how to, how to get into a good physical status. But a lot of it was also monetary gain and stuff and, and, and seeing what she had and seeing what she could do with it in my mind, the kind of like good she could do with her following was something that just that, that possibility there was something that excited me. Um, and I don't know what, during the end of 2016, I started and over 2017, I really started wanting to do good things. Like I wanted to, I call it, I really want to just positively influence my space time continuum is what I would always say. Like, I just like have this belief that like the more positivity I put into my, my path, the higher likelihood that everything in my path we'll will have, yes, will stay positive. Yep. We'll, will have a, uh, a higher likelihood of happiness in general, of positive like things. attract each other, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, negative people hang out with negative people, positive people hang out with positive people, period. Yeah, and I had seen where I could become negative. I, I yeah. saw 2015, I saw, 
I saw what I could be and I saw that I didn't want to ever be that again as well. You knew where you didn't want to go and you can't. Yeah. And, and all this, you know, all this happening. And then in 2016, watching my grandmother actually passed away in 2016. It was the weekend after I won that million dollar tournament too. So I won this million dollar tournament. I celebrate by going out to, I went to EDC actually, and I got a table there and it was like a fun night kind of, but like that was the night that I got the phone call. I got the phone call at like four or 5 AM after I was still up all night. And I don't know why I decided to answer. I only had two, my phone was on 2% and it was my aunt calling and I had been up all night partying and I was like, you know what? I'm going to answer this. Jesus. And it was my, my grandmother had passed away. So, and this is like, my grandmother was like my mother. She raised me. So it, it, it hit me and I, I, you know, this is pretty much the first time I've actually looked back at my timeline like this and, and fully thought it out, but it, it makes sense how, how my mind developed the way it did and what I started to find important. And, and poker wasn't that, was starting to not become that anymore. Plus I had gotten myself to a financial position where I could start thinking about doing other things. Um, so yeah, I think, so. It's, I think it's like really fortunate that you got to like that. Cause like, cause there's some people to where like, you know, they don't get to that financial position of where I did very, I ran very well in poker. I did very well. And obviously that's mm-hmm. on you because you, you know, you did your research, you put in your due diligence, you did your time, but some people, you know, they get to that point and they're like, shit, I've been doing poker this whole time. And you know, I haven't, I haven't, I don't have that financial freedom that you got. And it's like, it's like almost like a blessing, you know, that cause now you're like, you got that right minded position to where like, now you're like, I need to do good with this. Right. So whether it be like follow your passion or open up the restaurant that you want to open up or do, you know, you know, contribute to charities with whatever you're doing. Um, it's think, like, it's a, it's a very like positive thing to look at. I also think dude, like if you go back to what you said, like you said, it made sense, like the way you frame things, like the way that your mind developed mm-hmm. over the course of your thing. But I, I would go back to and challenge you to the point that we talked about earlier, you know, like, you took those little steps and you created the mindset. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and you got There are a lot of people in your position or in any type of position that can go back into victim mode and then choose to create different meeting out of their events and like their grandma passing or, you know, whatever have you, those challenges, like more people than not are going to choose to, to frame that in their head the wrong way or not. There's not wrong or right, but in a not so positive way. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You just became more of what you already are. That could have been a moment where wasn't some, money, somebody you know? would choose to, like a grandmother passing could have been, that could have ruined the rest of the year for them, right? That could have, they could have taken that and developed a negative. You, you know. chose to, you chose to make that event something that was going to create more meaning in your life. Yeah. Instead of just more monetary value. I, that's what's really rich. About yeah. You. I wasn't going to let, like that experience uh, not turn into something positive. That's one of the, that's one of the things that, and in my history, I, o- I can only remember one year, 2015, where I was letting things affect me negatively. And I, 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 I even took that year and decided to make something positive out of it. I was going to, I was going to use that as a basis of a, a place I never wanted to go again. And, mm-hmm. and it sort of, so yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that same mindset got applied to all of it because I kept 
taking everything, every, you know, every juncture, every time I could have gone one way or another, I decided to use it to go the positive You route. decided. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what's um, most rich about you. It's like the money, like it's fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason you have that is because of your mindset. I yeah. mean, yeah. you know, a couple good hands here. And there. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're like, yeah, I guess and, so. And, and an ace. I guess, I guess, I guess you're right, <laughs> Brian. Sure. Let's go with that. Jason <laughs> <Based on> the <laughs> river. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about. Um, so we kind of went through everything, dude. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about this restaurant because obviously Brian, that's how you met him. Um, where's the restaurant at? Newport. Uh, Fountain Valley. Fountain yeah. Valley. Um, so like, what's the name of it? What's it gonna be? What's what's the goal here? Um, it's gonna be called the Black Bean Plant Based Fast Food. Uh, it's the Black Bean, but you know, it's plant based fast food. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal here. I mean. I'm doing this because I, I want to encourage um, the spread of veganism. I, I became vegan in early 2017 and, uh, you know, I, I, I did it for health reasons. Personally, I watched a slew of documentaries and there was all these things starting to um, show me that, you know, because I also, I watched my grandparents pass away and my grandma had dementia and my grandpa had heart disease. Mm-hmm. And those are the two things they're associating with a high intake of, of animal products. And um, it's the cholesterol. You can't get cholesterol from anywhere but animals. And um, I watched my, um, my, the two most important people to me die and they had extremely high animal intake. I grew up eating animal three meals a day. Yep. You know, so. Um, American diet. Yeah. Yep. If you didn't have milk, you Seriously. weren't healthy. Milk like, is the biggest. Uh, yeah, it's 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 such a lie. It's such a lie. Um, it, if you didn't drink milk, you weren't going to have strong bones. <laughs> like, it's there's it's uh, that's actually the opposite. There's actually a link to having weaker bones if you have a high amount of milk. Yep. Um. So you know. So I that again. I watched. I watched them. I what I believe was a was a causation i think that they died before they were supposed to from reasons that they shouldn't have um the thing is they couldn't they would never have known any better so that's that's another reason why i i started liking veganism because i saw these uh these documentaries and it taught me these things and i decided to make a, a change for my own health and you know some people may not believe that it's you know there's different different opinions about it but I personally decided to go with it and I'd already not eaten red meat or pork for over a year. So it was an easy transition for me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just like it. I did it for my health. And then once I was involved in it, I started learning all the other benefits of it. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's great for the environment. Like animal agriculture causes 51% of the greenhouse emissions, like greenhouse gases, you know, like, um and the amount of water it takes for like one to raise one it's like absurd. pound of meat is insane it's like 50 was it 50 or 500 gallons for every one pound of meat that we eat it's it's the the numbers are ridiculous i don't know exactly what it is either but it's if you if you look at the stats it's just absurd yeah. i mean they also feed something like enough um like they feed enough like soy and grain and stuff to the to our livestock to feed 80 billion people and we can't feed seven and a half billion, you know? Right. So, but we feed so much to our livestock just to create, 
meat for the, uh, the elite of the world to be able to eat. Like if, if we just used those resources to feed the world, there'd be nobody hungry. But so there, that's another thing. Like there's the, the, the philanthropic side of it as well. Like, like, you know, by doing it, you're allowing more, more product to be spread around the world. Like you're not, yeah. you're not, you're not, you're not encouraging this system that is taking enough food to feed the world and putting it into a small percentage of the, of the people that are just celebrating through getting to eat. I've never even thought about it. Like on, you know? Yeah. I've um, never even thought about it like that. I've always thought about it. Like the ethic thing is like, you know, a, a, a an animal is a life. So like, yeah. I've always thought it through that lens is like, that's like the PETA type version where it's like, if you kill an animal, you're killing a life. So that's what I always thought was like the point of veganism is that. And it, and it really, it really is. I mean, yeah. for, for most people it is. Yeah. It wasn't and, the way that I came into it. Like how they slaughter it is like, you know, like the way that they kind of commercialized, you know, livestock is, is the way I've always looked at it is like how they just treat them as like they're, 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 you know, metal you know they're just yeah. they're just killing it and making it like the most efficient way of doing it yeah um, i mean most vegans they'll say like look into their eyes you can tell they're sentient you can <laughs> yeah. tell you can tell they have emotions you can tell that wasn't what it was for me right but, i mean now that i've been so involved in it i i do feel i am starting to feel some of the things that they're so adamant about i do now i i have given up like this is not real leather i've given up all my leather i don't have anything made of animal anymore. Um, I'm way more conscious about every decision I make. Um, I do see their points. Like I, I came into it reverse. Most people start off like, Oh, I do it for the animals. Right. right. Now, I did it for health. I did it for very personal reasons. Like I did it just to better myself. Right. And then I saw that it was good for the world and it, it made me make more conscious decision, be more like aware of what I was doing to the planet. And, uh, it made me a better person in that way. And then, you know what, like I love so much about it. I was like, why not just go the full way? Let's just do it. Let's just become that textbook vegan, that the guy that annoys all their friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I did some, I pulled a Joe Rogan podcast and I Googled it. It's 1800 pounds of water or 18, 1800 gallons of water per one pound of meat or beef that we eat. It's absurd. The average American will eat 167 pounds of red meat a year. Joe Rogan's a big Joe Rogan's a big meat guy, though. And no, but I'm, he Google's shit on his podcast. Oh, and that equates to 300,000 gallons of water per year per person, just on their diet. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's just on their diet. That's not. That's, that's just not showering. That's just meat, or, you know, yeah, that's just the meat. Moly. Yeah. No and, wonder we have a water problem. And you know, right now. Cape Town, South Africa, their citizens are allowed to use 13 gallons of water a day. <laughs> 13 only. That's all they can use. Americans, we use that in one shower. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's places out there like, I mean, that's, that's the other thing, you know, like it, you can see climate change is happening. You can see that it's affecting Cape Town, South Africa, South Africa. Um, yet, uh, I mean, it, there's a very easy decision to make. Like be, becoming vegan is like the easiest way to possibly affect climate change. Like, now, let me let me get into this question because I want. It's like a crazy butterfly effect. I'm gonna mm -hmm. I'm gonna take us on tangent here. I apologize. We can cut this out if we need to. But I listened to this lecture by Ray Kurzweil last night. If you don't know who he is, he's like one of the most popular, most um, 
uh, highest percentage predictor of the future. So he's like 86% prediction on like positively predicted the future since 1982. So this dude's like a genius. Ray Kurzweil? Right. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look him up. I don't so know. Who he, he, he basically said, we're getting to a point where like, we're going to have vertical, vertical mm-hmm. agriculture. And we were at a point in the United States where like 60% of the people who were working were agriculture. Now it's 2%. And we're going to be able to clone meat. So I don't know what that does to the whole percentage thing here or how that's going to help, but it's very interesting. Like actually like clone cattle. Muscle, muscle tissue. Okay. Um, I have heard that there are three printers that can print like steaks. That's wild. That's like you can, yeah, you can like print like a raw steak and then cook it. <laughs> yeah. So... I mean, I could see it going that way as well. I don't know. I mean, what we do know right now is that the animal agriculture, the, the, this industry is not sustainable. Correct. I mean, yeah. they said about 20 years left. Yeah. It's just not going to, it's not a way to feed the world for the future. It's just, yeah. it's not sustainable at all. Um, also, the oceans are nearly depleted. Like yeah. nearly, like almost, the, the fish are almost gone. <laughs> like, it's not it's good. Crazy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be ways around it. I don't know what the, the final solution is going to be. It could be something completely different. It could be, like you said, it could be cloning. It could be 3D printing. It could be... could be the black bean, dude. It could be the it black bean. It could be the man. black bean. <laughs> but, Boom. but what I do know is I want to be on the forefront of helping that positive change. So right. black beans seemed like a, like a good way to, to do it. I mean... I am taking it seriously and I'm treating it as a business, but I also get to, by doing this, I get to be around positive people every day. Like, I mean, like the old uh, perception of vegans is pretty, pretty negative. Like they're always really annoying. They're always trying to push their agenda on you. But like nowadays, blood on their clo- like the blood on their yeah, 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 like, exactly. Yeah, like like it, it, it was very negative, but nowadays it's like, it's different. Like vegans are just very positive in general and they, they have a different like method of pushing their agenda. Now they don't, they don't try to attack people and stuff. It's, it's different. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that still exists, but the ones that I've experienced are not. Um, and there, then there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily vegan, but they are doing things for their health and they, they, they see this new diet as a way to benefit themselves and they're happy about it. They're positive. So like, I know that I'll be associating myself with positive people. I'll be doing something positive. Um, but that's not going to stop me from still trying to, uh, like be a create a business. I'm still gonna be business minded in it and uh, right. try to. The goal yeah, that's is why you bought toast. That's good, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It, it seemed like the best play. I think it seemed it like the smartest decision. I uh, think it is. No, I really do. I like. We can go on and on about it, but I like. I truly feel like it's probably the best play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Uh, Michelle and I both uh, liked it. We. First of all, we we hated the guy from Aloha. So <laughs> that guy sucked. And, and you like this dude? <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, he didn't have much competition on on the, with the guy from yeah. Aloha. <laughs> that guy sucked. <laughs> right on, dude. I was a, I, what did they call that? I was a good second. I was a good second option. You're, plan, you're a good plan B. Yeah, um, I was a good plan B. I mean, no, we went through a lot of things online before we even. Uh, and talk to a lot of people before we even decided the people that we were going to talk to. Yeah. We went with a, we met with Aloha just because they're the long-term player. They're the ones that yeah. they're the biggest one. They've, they've been around forever. Yeah. Um, and toasts are like 
they're like the new guys on on the scene. Yeah. Um, but they're quickly growing. Yeah. So I mean, I I feel like I mean, there's also there's a, there's a couple others, but they're like very like bank centralized. Like they like they partner up with specific banks and stuff, and mm-hmm. didn't really like that feel either. So you know, we narrowed it down to a, a few different options and. I think from the very beginning, we were always sort of leaning towards toast, but Brian made it very easy. He made it very easy for us to make that decision. Listen, you don't need to boost my ego because it's already <laughs> it's, Don't let this 5'7 body fool you. There's, there's a lot of ego behind this bad boy. So. <laughs> He's going to get off this and call me and be like, you hear that? You hear that? He- <laughs> Told you I was a good salesman. What are you, what are you doing? Uh, I know. Well, we talked about this before, but truly, like, I, I wouldn't have joined this company unless it was something that I believed in. So, you know that. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have got, I wouldn't have put myself behind something I didn't care about or believe in. So, um, I knew, I knew it was a good fit going forward. It's just a matter of, like, making sure that you feel comfortable. There. Yeah, I feel comfortable. Good. Feel comfortable. We're comfortable on this side, Bob. How's that, uh, how's that uh, beer treating you? Dude, I feel uncomfortable good. just it's, looking at it's it. It's not though. good, man. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's not fun. We need to but... get Grimmer out. <laughs> Dude, I, you're not. If you come to Newport tomorrow for this tournament, I may or may not bring the razor. Uh, dude, it's 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 not about me here. Let's talk. Let's let's get back into this here. Um, I completely missed my thing. Let's do, yeah, let's do the future. Uh, all right. So 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 Garrett, we went into everything about your life, kind of reflected on everything, um, and then now where you're at right now. Um, in regards to you know your life and where you want to be, what do you, what do you think the future has in hold of you with Black Bean and also with poker and also kind of just with your life in general? I mean, um, you've been through a lot, sounds like, and and you come out positive from it. Where do you see yourself going in the next you know five, ten, twenty years? Okay, so with poker, I hope that I don't ever have to be back in the situation where I'm grinding those crazy hours again and playing all those tournaments again. Um, I would if I needed to, but as far as poker, I see myself playing, you know, a handful of tournaments each year. There's a couple that I have an, an attachment to, um, because I've had success in them already. So there's like the ones that get you a million dollars or more. Yeah. Plus (laughs) I, plus those ones I can justify playing because I could play them for 50 more years and still be up money on it. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but uh, but no, I do like certain tournaments. I want to play those every year for the rest of my life. But other than that, that's where I want to be with poker. I, I mean, if I ever had a chance to be a positive influence in the poker world and, and uh, you know, sort of be a, an ambassador, of, so to speak, I would never pass up on an opportunity like that. Right. Um, I would be like the face of something poker related if, if I had that opportunity. Um, I just don't want to ever be a grinder again. I don't want to be a poker grinder. I don't want to spend my hours, you know, with a laptop in my face. Like, yeah, I, it's just not the lifestyle I want to live as far as poker. And then with the black bean, um, I don't know exactly how it's going to go. I, I'm setting myself up in a position where um, I'm going to be able to make some clear-cut decisions early. I want to try to prove this concept and make it as easily replicable as possible. We're going very cookie cutter with it. We're not hiring a chef because chefs have their opinions, their own styles, their own tastes, Mm -hmm. and they're expensive. So we're doing something. We're creating a very small menu and hoping that it catches 
And if it does, it'll be very easy to replicate and we're going to try to grow fast if we can. Um, however, I, I need to do that, I will. Um, if I need to take on investors, I will. Right now, I have no investors, I'm doing it on my own. Um, but the goal is to try to get a second, third, fourth location up as quick as possible. If we can have five or six locations in two to three years, that would be awesome. We might be able to set up a, if we can, if we can um, create brand recognition in, in Orange County and then try to battle the bigger players later, that would be awesome. We might be able to take on a, a large investment and do some, some crazy expansion fast if it works out, but we have to catch brand recognition. We have to, you know, we have to prove show proof of concept. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that's the goal is to, to, to prove the concept and then try to replicate it fast. Um, and if, if, and if you can prove that you can replicate it fast and it's easy to do, um, you know, the sky's the limit from there. It just matters how, how good of a brand you build. Right. Um, and that would be really cool to do. What do you have any like social media for that? Or what's, or anything like that? Um, so the blackbean.com is our website. Okay. Um, it is still in progress as our opening is June 1st, but you can get a taste of, of who we are. June 1st. Um, I like that. We can get a taste of who mm-hmm. we are. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by visiting the website. And then uh, we haven't launched our social media yet, but the name will be um, the BB Fast Food. That'll okay, be okay. Our, our Instagram, our right, Facebook. Yeah. Um, if we decide to have a Twitter, that'll be it. Uh, so, so yeah, I think that we're going to launch it soon. We just got a bunch of product photos done on Thursday. So we're, once those are edited, they'll be going up on the website and we'll be using them for our social media. So we're going to do a launch, like a social media launch, probably in about two weeks. Okay. And, uh, you know, the goal is, to, you know, I now, um, have a, a little bit of a following myself on social media and I'm hoping that I can um, sort of get some assistance from my from my loyals and and have mm-hmm. them switch on over and and support the new, you know, the new the new uh, venture. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sure that I mean that's a good way to do it, right? Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty they're pretty good people. My loyals are uh, they they like to support pretty much anything I do. So right now, what I do with my following is. Is, is, is philanthropy. Like I, I try to raise as much money for charities as I can. I, I do little things here and there. Like I raised, um, I mean, I put up 5K, but then I got my followers to match 5K, donated that to Puerto Rico. So I got 10K for Puerto Rico. I, I donated 3,500 to, 2,500 to Uplift Humanity India, 1,000 to ASPCA. I just um, ran this thing where I was selling T-shirts. Um, I, I designed these t-shirts when I was first injured so I could raise money yeah, for therapy. And so I sold those. I raised $500 for uh, the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation, $500 for um, this uh, Mennonite Foundation, and $500 for uh, art for ALS. So like, that's what I've been doing with my following right now, and that's what I would love to do. I never want to use my social media following to try to profit from it if I can do good with it. I mean, I guess there is a slight profit if I get them to start following my black bean social media stuff. But that's, that's more about building my brand and building my dreams rather than trying to pull a monetary thing from it. Right. So, yeah. It's like show. it's like putting like 
like instead of just like you know like the usual would be like to monetize following you know build a shirt or something like that right like yeah this is like more of like this is who i am and and like if you guys want to be a part of like you know this whole vegan experience here you go here's a way exactly. to do it right rather than just like here's a you know here's a fucking shirt like yeah like like a shirt that says like garrett yeah whatever on it garrett's yeah. followers yeah i mean it's a lot cool i mean i think that's like a lot that's a better way to do it it's definitely more real it's definitely more organic and and uh you know people can feel that connection you know rather than being sold the the next pair of athletic pants (laughs) (laughs) do you ever get those with your following like you know herbal teas or whatever it may be um I have been like approached by a few different things, um, like bright smile, some like tea. You got a good smile or something? Uh, they're, they're everywhere, man. Yeah. Bright smile is everywhere. Um, yeah. There's been uh, some protein companies that have tried to to do it. There has been um, a couple clothing ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a dog food company one time. I sort of a uh, I'll do certain things. Like if I get approached by a company that I believe in, yeah. um, like there's a company, I didn't take any money from them, but there's a company called Will's Vegan Shoes. And I had just decided to get rid of all of my non-vegan clothing. And I really liked their stuff. So I was like, I, re- I, I approached them actually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they sent me a pair of shoes and a bag and I did like a post for them, you know, like, that kind of stuff, like I'm totally cool with. If I can, if I can feel good about the company, I actually want people to know about the company. One because I also love their their clothing and stuff, their right. shoes and stuff, their accessories. Um, I'm totally cool with that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, like the stuff that like matches like your brand, like it's exactly. on brand with you, and like you believe in it. That makes sense. Exactly. I don't want. Naturally. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, get paid a thousand dollars to to wear something or i don't want to get paid you know 1500 bucks to to step on a scale that kind of stuff like you know like i'm not mentioning anybody in specific but you know i i saw that happen they know <laughs> but they know yeah um, <laughs> no that's not that i'm not in love with that that's not who i want to be i don't want to be grinding for the next sponsor you know right. like it's it's not at all what I want to focus my time and energy on. You're more mission driven. Yeah. Sounds like at well, least my understanding. I'm very positivity driven now. I love that. That's so. right on brand. Um I jam, dude. I think uh Meryl, do you have the uh do you want to do the B2B question? I would love to do the B2B question. Um what's this B2B question? So B2B stands for Bobby and Brian, but really what it stands for is be who you want to be. So okay. that's kind of the mission of our podcast. Um, we interview mostly millennials and find out what it is that they're passionate about and where their life has gotten to where they're at now and where they want to go in the future and kind of just follow up with them. And we end every podcast by asking who that person is when they're being who they want to be. So who is Garrett when he's being who he wants to be living his best life, I guess is another way to put it. Wow. That's a, that's sort of a tough question. Let me, let me sort of, uh, it's the hardest question and it always takes a while. Let me, let me come let me, let me try to wrap my mind around that question again. So who is Garrett when he is being who he wants to be? Yes. Um, 
I think like usually when we ask the question, it's like usually a person is like, for example, has to put on a different front when they go into work or when they live their personal life. For you, it's kind of mesh. So it's not really ever like an, a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But like, what's an example? It's a good example. Ryan, what's a good example that, that would be good here? Yeah. So like being who you want to be, like when you, when you feel like you're being your best self, like, you know, like that, those days where you wake up and you're like, this is who I am. Like, I feel so good about what I'm doing right now and like how other people are perceiving me, how I'm interacting with the world, those types of things. There's been um, moments that I can reflect on that made me feel really good about what I was doing and, and where I was. And it was through my Instagram when that happened. Like there was times where um, I would post, you know, certain things about what I was doing and, you know, like whether it was like being in the gym or showing like something that I accomplished and doing it from a chair and I would get messages from people in my situation. Um, you know, they would say things like, honestly, you saved my life and stuff like that. Like getting these messages where I've so positively influenced somebody that I, I would never have known unless I actually put that content out there. Right. Um, those moments have made me feel a certain purpose in life that, you know, has been a slow development that I wasn't really aware of until those people reached out and being a source of constant positive influence is, is when I feel at my best. Like if I can be the reason why somebody's happier one day, or if I can be the reason somebody decides to get out of bed and go to therapy, or if I can be the reason somebody decides not to take their own life, all of those things are like from the smallest to the largest reason that that sense of being a constant positive influence is what makes me the happiest. So, I mean, if I could, that's when I'm that, when I'm that sort of influence in people's lives, I am at my absolute highest self-worth. Like I, that's when I, I see myself in the best light. Yeah. I think it's like when you're, when you're, when you're bringing your positivity to others, that's when you feel the best, right? Like it's like, yeah, Helping when I can actually see that it made a change in somebody's mindset, mm-hmm. somebody's life, somebody's future, um, it's it, it it brings me the the most self worth. Like I I am the happiest about what I'm doing and where I'm going and the decisions I'm making when I affect me like that. It's it's never like it. I couldn't be happier if that would make me happier than if black bean had a hundred locations or if I won the main event for 10 million or if I owned, you know, 50 properties creating, you know, revenue, like none of those things would ever make me as happy as like one kid telling me like, Hey, I got out of bed today. and went to the gym because of you. Yeah. So that's real. Well, you want to, you go ahead. Yeah. I would just say, dude, like, um, you are that like whether you, I don't know if you perceive that you are all the time, but I gathered that from you. And I gathered that, like I said, I think 
your heart shows through in a lot of the things that you're doing. And it seems to me that you have that, um, I don't know if it's motivation or the passion behind influencing others in a positive way. So I just want you to know that it, I, ref, I see that in you. So it's reflected and, um, you were going to be that no matter what happened in your life. It seems like it's just, obviously there's some things that happened in your life that weren't as, I guess, weren't as fortunate, but you would have been that influence no matter what. This just helps people realize like, yeah, it's a, kind of a little bit of a kick in their pants, you know, because anyone who's feeling sorry for themselves or even, you know, can look at a situation that happens in your life and go one of those routes. Like you, you're a reason, a beacon of light for those people. So I, I, and super appreciative that you came on our podcast, man. I think um, I just like being around you in general, and I think you have a great message. Awesome. Yeah. Those are very kind words. I appreciate that, man. That's very, very nice of you, and I'm very happy you had me on. Yeah, it was really cool, dude. Um, I Like I said, I never got to meet you from Brian, but uh, I got to hear your story and kind of just like getting to know you here. It feels like, like, like you're the person like we hang out with all the time, so it's like it kind of like naturally fit. And uh, like, like, I, like he said, like, being positive out of all of the things that you've overcome to a lot of people would probably have not been in the position you are. Um, and I hope like that when people are listening to this, like they get a kick in the ass, like doesn't matter what's going on. If you're positive, you know, the world is yours. So um, I appreciate you coming on, man. And I'm sure, I, I mean, I live down in Santa Monica. I'd love to like yeah. hang out and like, just like get dinner or something, whatever. Yeah. We'll have to kick it for sure. Maybe go down on the commerce or something. I don't know yeah <laughs> take my money um but yeah man i appreciate you coming on yeah dude thank you guys for having me man it was uh i actually learned some stuff about myself and about who i want to be even in this process so i want to thank you guys for that good that's what we were hoping that's what that was the whole purpose of this was to help others yeah. yeah thanks man love uh, it let's go wait let's let's plug plug uh social media Oh, uh, what is, what's your social media handle? Not that we're going to drive a lot of traffic to your social media, but uh, it's Garrett J. Greer on, uh, on Instagram. Okay. Cool. I don't, I don't really use Facebook that much, but I do have a, a, a page. I guess they call them a fan page. It's so weird to say, but it's not, it's not that big, but it's just my name, Garrett Greer. I have a personal Facebook, Garrett Jason Greer. If somebody actually wants to just be my friend. That's, that's what we're hoping. That's, that's our goal. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah all right i'm gonna well yeah garrett j greer is the one for instagram and if you're ever in the orange county area you know the hottest restaurant to come check out the black bean baby